please be advised that this episode may contain strong language and spoilers. Hello and welcome to What the Forks, a podcast in which we revisit a teenage obsession, Stephanie Meyer's Twilight Saga. We're finding out if our love for this series will shine eternal or crumble to ash under close inspection. I'm Chloe. I'm Isaac. And in this episode, we're talking about the second half of Twilight, the first novel in the saga. Welcome back to What the Forks! Ooh! Ooh. We're back! I know, we're back We didn't just stop and go away. (laughs) (laughs) How have you been? Good. Yeah? You know what I've had in my head all week? What? Do you remember the song Twilight by Cover Drive? No, how did that go? They were, it was, um, they were like a band, I, th- I want to say from Barbados, and it's like, I'm loving that twilight, I'm oh, loving that no, twilight, no? no. <laughs> <laughs> You're only embarrassing oh, yourself no. now. <laughs> it's, a, no. it's a good song, we'll listen to it. So it's been a really lovely weather this week, mm-hmm. and I saw Jon Snow, the Channel 4 reporter. Right, yeah. as opposed to the, the, uh, the character. <laughs> But no, Jon Snow, the reporter mm-hmm. um, at Park, near my, where I work. Very sweet man. Sat cross-legged in his suit. On the grass, um, with a suit, no, no blanket, no no coat. Wow. It's a good job it was dry. <laughs> well, he would know. Yeah. <laughs> so, the first thing we want to talk about in this episode, because last episode we talked a little bit about our memories of first reading the book. Mm-hmm. Uh, this time... We've done that. Uh, so I want to chat a little bit about the book itself. Yeah, you've like... been very fascinated with this. I, I have. Yeah. You. Willing to learn. Excellent. Yeah, I'm holding my book in my hand, as Me are too. you. Yeah. With, yeah. So what copy is this? Is this your original copy This is my Twilight? original copy that I bought when I was 12, 13, 14. We still don't know what <laughs> I was. So why is mine more yellowed? You kept yours out of the sun. This isn't your original one, though, is it? No. So someone else has loved it more than you. No, no, no. It it seemed unread. So I found it in a box of books that my parents had been storing for me at their house. And they were moving and they were coming for dinner or something. And they showed up with a box of books. Take it. Yeah. You had to take all your stuff back. We're moving house. We're not storing this stuff for you anymore. And I found it in there. It's the only one, but it's definitely not my original copy because it would clearly, before this reading, it had clearly never been read before. Wow. So It's been read now. <laughs> so somewhere along the line, my original copy has disappeared and this new copy has appeared. It was the only Twilight book in that box. I don't have any of my original copies, so I'm going to have to buy the others. Mm. Mine is a 2008 reprint of a 2007 edition. Mm. You've just shown me in the front of yours. You've literally got... In blue byro? Yeah, because I only write in blue. Chloe Swindell. Yeah. So you've actually marked it. Was that because you knew you were taking it to school and you didn't want anyone stealing your copy? Yeah, because people were fraught. Oh, there were fights in the playground. (laughs) What copy is your (laughs) twat? Is yours a 2008 reprint? (laughs) Mine is actually a 2007. Okay, do they look the same? What does your back cover look like? Um, Ours are not the same. Our back covers are the same, but... Oh, so your kind of inside covers... Are plain. Are white. Yeah, no advertisements for any other books. Ah, mine are black and on the inside of the front cover I've got uh, a big ad for the host host. and then at the back of the book it advertises the all four of the Twilight books together. So she had written Breaking Dawn then? By the time this was printed in 2008 yes. One of the first things to mention so when you're looking at a book as a physical object which 
we've learned I'm a big nerd for <laughs> big it. Big fan of, yeah. Um, so Don't artwork. get me wrong, I love artwork and I like the way it looks and smells. The way a book smells when it's a new book is very important. It's true, even when it's not a new book, I, s- I will smell yes. books. Oh, I'm an avid charity shopper, as you know. Do you or, smell the books? I Well, it's more <laughs> can I smell it rather than... <laughs> I see. So in new books, yeah. you... I'm looking for the scent. Right. But in charity <laughs> shops, I'm waiting you're... for the scent to get me. <laughs> so I'm going to start with the outside of the book, the artwork. You like it? I do. I love it. It's a matte black cover. I think mm-hmm. both of us are the same. Yep. With the image of the hands holding the apple. Yes. They are a gloss. Uh, this is called a spot gloss. Because, because the it's whole just on the exactly hands. the gloss has been applied to just the image, mm. and Twilight the title is in a blue foil, like a twilighty color. I feel. Oh. Do you think it's clear what it's supposed to be? Right. <laughs> <laughs> no. Yeah. No. Um, in terms of the actual imagery, I've got theories. So this epigraph it's from Genesis, chapter two, verse seventeen. God's just made Adam and put him in the Garden of Eden and told him that he can eat anything apart from the fruit from the tree of knowledge. Mm. Obviously, it's a Bible verse. A um, reference. And it's about that fruit. So then I think that has a clear link to the cover mm-hmm. in terms of this offering of the fruit. Mm. And that fruit is knowledge of good and evil. Yeah. That's huge, culturally. Well, if you look at the image, the first thing you think of is temptation. Temptation, yeah. exactly. Is Bella the fall of man? Well, as we know, it was She is Eve. a woman. I found a few references to it when Bella first sees Alice in the cafeteria. She specifically says, small girl rose with her tray, unopened soda, unbitten apple. Which seems like a direct link. I mean, it's not very subtle. To be honest, nothing about it is. The amount of times in this book they say Twilight. Yeah, oh, I know. There's mention... nothing subtle about Exactly. Any of this book. Anyway, there are a few references to apples and to this kind of imagery. To be honest, I have yet to... Fu- oh, well, we finished it now, so it's a bit late. And I... Okay, fine, I don't understand what the epigraph means. I don't think everybody would have read it who bought the book. Oh, oh, mm. Mm. Okay. So, I remember when I was a teenager, ignored introductions. Now it's one of my favourite things, because I think it's very important... It shows them more of the mindset of the author. Exactly. Like, it's their choice. And, what and... They, how they're maybe intending the work to be interpreted. Yeah. Uh, whereas before, nah, I'm no. not reading that. So maybe not everybody read it. Um, reading it now, I've written, this is from the Bible, they are never having sex. Okay. <laughs> Both true. It's true, yes, they will not be having sex in this book. Yeah, because we all know the apple means sex. I, I wonder whether it's it's all foreshadowing Bella's eventual death and yeah. vampirism. Spoiler. Because so it literally mm. says at the end of that verse, like if you eat of the fruit, you will surely, surely die. die. Yeah. Is Bella Eve? Is she Adam? I don't know. When you open up the book, yeah. There's a contents page. Yeah. What do you think? I didn't realise there was a contents page. I think I always knew it was there. Didn't think about it when I was reading it because I think I was more like uh, I can't wait to read this you, you know I want to I want to know what all my friends are talking about yeah so it didn't it didn't really bother me not a big fan now that I'm older I un- like it's good for the purposes of this podcast exactly for what so we've we, been doing yeah, I found it quite useful because we're like, oh yeah so have you in the past mm. used this contents page to find yes. a section that you were going to read in isolation yes see that is in a way an argument for it but or maybe she hoped that that 
people would, would treasure it enough to go back and read and their like, favorite I just passages want to read that again. Passage, yeah. Yeah. Fonts. Yes. There cool. are a few times throughout the book where a different font will be used. Ella scroll. Yeah. Obviously, a digital imitation handwritten font. Right. I really hate it, Chloe. <laughs> <laughs> I hate it. It's... I don't think it's Bella's handwriting. I but just... you all bothered because it's trying to be handwriting, but it's been done digitally. But how else? How can't else would you... Obviously, yeah. yeah, you wouldn't actually get someone to handwrite it. That so way. how would you have felt if it looked like Almost a like an illustration. Yeah. Would that you... would have been one way to go about it. It's yeah. not necessarily what I would have done. I think it would have been preferable to what we have. <laughs> what I would have done is Do not had the font at all. Oh, I would have left it. spaced it. I would yeah. have maybe indented it and made it maybe a different size. With these kind of fonts, it's they're standing in for an illustration and it is aimed at young people. So maybe that is like your stand-in for illustrations. You kind of go like, ooh, something different and that causes excitement. It is nice to see something else on the page. It is nice to see something different, I suppose. But I it's find just not it... Bella's handwriting. I find it juvenile. Did you hear that, Maya? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So now that Isaac has got the uh, book out of the way... I the feel act- better. Yeah, you I feel better. <laughs> you seem more relaxed. Like so many feelings. <laughs> oh, we could tell. <laughs> so now it's time to get back into it. Our second episode is from chapter 13 all the way to the end. Here we go. Here we go. I'm ready for your plot. Oh. So they're in the meadow, Bella and Edward. We meet them there again. Edward is sparkling, Chloe. But seriously, why this choice? Why this um, choice? He then demonstrates his speed and strength. It's very macho. Oh. And they confess their love for each other. They also have their first kiss. On the drive back to Bella's house, Edward talks about his past. We find out that he was born in 1901 in Chicago and was turned by Carlisle when he was dying of Spanish influenza, aged 17. Carlisle chooses to only turn dying people into vampires. Oh, how nice of him. Oh, I know. He's a really really good guy. guy. (laughs) They arrive at Bella's house and Edward comes with her and reveals that he's been spying on her, coming into her house and bedroom. Well, she's asleep. And she's fine with it. She's totally fine with it. Since he first saw her at school, he's been following her and she's flattered by it. She's like, She oh. gets more embarrassed about what she said. Yeah, literally. Her reaction is like, what have you heard while I've been sleeping? No, no, no. Why have you Why been there? Why have you been there? Wrong question, How did Bella. you get in? I mean, I know he's a vampire, but like... Just because you can doesn't mean you should. Uh, yeah. It's not appropriate. It's not right. They have a little sleepover uh, and Bella asks <laughs> if... <laughs> They have their first sleepover where she is conscious and she is aware. Bella asks if vampires have sex. They do. She asks Edward if they will have sex and he says no, because if he got lost in the moment, he might, and I quote, crush her skull by mistake. Don't you hate it when you're in the throes of passion and And you you crush crush their skull? (laughs) So many good men gone. Edward asks Bella if she's a virgin, and she is. And Edward- He already knew that. Yeah. Edward seems to imply that he is, but it's not very clear. The next morning, they go to Edward's house for the first time. Edward tells Bella more about Carlisle. We find out that Carlisle was born in London in the 1640s, and he was raised by a single father who was an Anglican preacher slash witch, werewolf, and vampire hunter. Mm. At 23, Carlisle was bitten by a vampire that he'd cornered, and knowing that his dad would kill him, he hid in a pile of mouldy potatoes for three days. Yeah. 
as you do. When Carlyle leaves his pile of potatoes, he tries to kill himself in lots of different ways, but he doesn't manage it until a herd of deer passes and he pounced, uh, and that's how he realised that he could live and be a vampire without harming humans. He swims to France, uh, and continues on through Europe, through the universities, until he finds his calling as a doctor. Edward drives Bella home, and Charlie's still out, but Billy and Jacob Black are there. Billy has come to warn Charlie about Edward being a vampire. Bella and Billy have a bit of a standoff out of earshot of Jacob. She is so rude to Billy. She's pretty rude. But she manages to convince Billy not to tell Charlie that Edward's a vampire. And then Billy and Jacob leave. Charlie gets home, Bella tells Charlie that Edward's her boyfriend, and then Edward picks her up to go to the baseball game. There's some really nice patriarchal bullshit that happens there, but Mm. I can't go into that. (laughs) We've got no time for that. No time for the patriarchy today. Then the Cullens play baseball, Bella sits with Esme who referees. The game halts suddenly when Alice has a vision of other vampires approaching. They aren't veggie. The nomadic vampires as they're called. Oh, that's good. That was a good choice. Good choice, Stephanie! Well done, Stephanie. Three nomadic vampires arrive in the clearing. Laurent, Victoria and James. Things get tense when they notice Bella. James takes a clear interest in her. And the fact that the Cullens want to protect her, she seems like the special prize, so that makes Mm. him all the more passionate to find her and kill her. So, the Cullens amongst them agree that Jasper and Alice are going to take Bella to Phoenix, while the other Cullens stay in Forks to protect Charlie slash chase James off. Um, So Bella, she makes a big show of screaming at Charlie so that he will know that she's not been kidnapped and she's definitely choosing to leave to try and save him. And then Jasper, Alice and Bella drive to Arizona. In a hotel room in Phoenix, Jasper and Alice stand guard over Bella. Then Alice has a vision of Bella's childhood ballet studio and a TV with a VCR James is coming to Phoenix. So Bella uses Alice's phone to leave a voicemail for her mum in case she's in danger. Then Alice has another vision, this time of Bella's mum's house. Carlisle, Edward and Emmett make their way to Phoenix to protect Bella. And then Alice's phone rings again and she hears Renee's voice, Bella's mum, asking for Bella. When she passes the phone over to Bella, James is on the phone. He tells Bella to escape from Alice and Jasper and come to meet him, or he'll, he's going to hunt and kill her mum, basically. At the ballet studio, James is waiting for Bella, and she discovers that he doesn't have her mother, he's just got a videotape of her mum calling her name. It's like an old home video. Yeah. That's kind of clever. I mean, yeah, yeah, it's a bit of a twist. It's she... just the most exciting stuff that's happened in this yeah, book so far. Yeah, she gets there very quickly, and even James says, he's like, oh... Yeah. You got here quite fast, so now I'm just going to have to torture you a little bit before I kill you. She literally had these vampire bodyguards who are so powerful. Yeah. Yeah, she... mm. Bella then tries to run from James, but he breaks her leg and throws her across the room into a mirrored (laughs) hall. Yeah, I mean, look, I'm just saying, at least he's honest about the way he tries to control her physically. And well, yeah, at least he does it. Yeah. yeah. And suddenly we wake up and we wake she's up. She's fine. Well, she's not yet, but nearly. Yeah. Well, she's not dead. <laughs> Bear with me. She's about to, she's about to be okay. <laughs> so Carlisle, Edward and Emma have arrived just in time oh. to save her. James is killed, but he's bitten Bella's hand and she can feel the venom beginning to spread. Then Edward sucks the venom out of the wound. <laughs> Why are you giggling, Claire? <laughs> That's what he does. He sucks the venom from the wound. <laughs> Next chapter. She wakes up in hospital several days later and everything's pretty much sorted. <laughs> She's just got a free, like a few broken bones. She's like and... seriously injured, but oh. could be a lot worse. Then Bella starts to challenge Edward about why he didn't just allow her to become a vampire. True. Yeah, it's a fair point. We all want this to happen. It's literally the whole point of the yeah. series. Like, again, spoiler alert, 
Yeah. But this is the main thing. Yeah. When is she going to be a vampire? He says he refuses to damn her to an eternity of night, and that's the end of it. But Bella says she won't give up and is determined to become a vampire, so Edward has the nurse administer more painkillers to make <laughs> Bella sleep. <laughs> Women, am I right? Yeah. <laughs> Can I get more morphine for this one? <laughs> oh, no. Then we got an epilogue. Which, to be honest, might as well have been a chapter. Like, yeah. why wasn't it? Yeah, I'm not, I'm not too sure about that. Yeah. I don't know if she knows what an epilogue is supposed to be. But back in Forks, Edward takes Bella to the prom. Jacob shows up, uh, and he's got a message from Billy, and he's asking her again to break up with Edward, and he warns her we'll be watching. But I just do want to say, like, Jacob is embarrassed to be yeah, delivering that message. I actually message. really like Jacob in this book. In this book, I yeah. really do. He doesn't get a lot. He's really just kind of like, he doesn't believe his dad's yeah, folklore, exactly. but he's doing it because he loves his dad. But then also, he's being paid for it. Yeah, and, and he fancies Bella, doesn't he? Yeah, but he's still trying to control the woman's choice. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, Bella and Edward go off alone and argue a bit more about becoming a vampire. Neither one manages to convince the other of their argument in the end. So now that we've got the plot out of the way... Thank God. <laughs> Let's discuss the topics that came about when we read the second part of Twilight. So for me, my first topic is sex. Ooh. Ooh. Or lack thereof. Oh. Yeah. I was getting frustrated. You say that as though like, I, <laughs> and I never get frustrated <laughs> by anything. <laughs> I mean, sexually frustrated, oh. rereading, and I'm, you know, I'm in my mid-twenties now, and I was still like, fuck up, please. The poor girl just needs a good lay. Oh. He has erectile dysfunction, by the way. Can you provide textual evidence yes. for that? Oh, okay. So the first, the first, <laughs> first kiss, okay, yeah. they're kissing. I didn't even think a tongue is involved. And he <laughs> flies off of her in the meadow into, like, I don't know, a tree. And he's like, give me a minute. Right, you said erectile dysfunction. I think you mean... Oh, I don't mean that. I mean, mean erectile, premature, premature ejaculation. Yeah. Sorry. <laughs> premature ejaculation. Almost the opposite. The opposite. I'm so sorry. <laughs> he comes too quickly. <laughs> to be clear. Yeah. Okay. And then it happens again when he flies her on his back Mm -hmm. and takes her to the truck after they're done with the meadow and he's like I want to try something and kisses her again I think she may stick a little cheeky tongue in there and he flies off of the truck (laughs) and again needs a moment to um wipe away Oh, oh. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, I, I see it there. I see yeah. it as a possibility. I'm not sure it's it's exactly what I read as, <laughs> as happening, but okay. I'll, uh, it's just my interpretation. I'll allow just, it. Thank you. Thank you very much. Before, before I get into any more, why so many ridiculous choices? I really want to readdress the sparkly. It's important to talk about. Yeah, it's ridiculous. Why this choice? Tiny little diamonds. Like a, it's like a dime, like a diamond surface, isn't it? Yeah. It's, I just don't know. It's like when you go to a festival and cover your face in sparkly makeup. I don't know if that's something that everyone does. <laughs> everyone does that. Oh, okay. Even if you yourself haven't, if a friend of yours has had sparkly shit on their faces, it would get onto you. That's true. Yeah. It, like, I mean, glitter gets everywhere. Yeah. So I suppose that's a plus side of it. But I, yeah, yeah, <laughs> that's I, a plus side of it. What, so Edward's sparkle will transfer to Bella? No, if it didn't. Oh. Because it doesn't for him. Mm. I mean, how embarrassing if she had to go home to Charlie and she had, like, glitter all around her <laughs> mouth. her mouth. 
<laughs> and he's like, you've been kissing the Cullen boy. <laughs> oh, that was a good choice. Why didn't she do that? I don't know. It should have transferred. So other than Edward's premature ejaculation, mm. what else does this book tell you about sex? <sighs> that you can't have it. <laughs> I mean, that is something that this book has been accused of before, or it's been suggested that this book is promoting is abstinence. Mm. Which is interesting because they are so horny. The amount of times Bella references a, a hungry look in his eyes, and yeah. in my copy I've just been crossing out and writing horny. It's, it's, he's <laughs> it's horny. horny. Like, I got so frustrated that I kind of actually was like, no, I don't want you to fuck her, I want you to eat her, devour her, like, yes. kill her. Kill. Please, right. put her out. Misery. <laughs> <laughs> Bella would die for the D. Oh, that, yeah. And I mean, we've all been there. <laughs> Do you feel that that's what's going on here? Is that she, mm. Stephanie Meyer is trying to kind of represent that feeling of like, kill me or fuck me, I don't care at this point. <laughs> Just Well, that's what she makes her readers feel. <laughs> but then it's interesting, you said, I think you said it in the plot, she asks Edward, do vampires have sex? Yes. Will we have sex? No. Right. you got to turn me into a vampire. Yeah. <laughs> That's the whole That's point. That's true. Actually, this does kind of begin that kind of argument that's yeah. ongoing throughout the rest of the series. Yeah. Turn me into vampire? No. Yes. No. Yes. No. Yeah. Turn me, baby. Turn me, baby. Okay. I have a question. Okay. So Edward is surrounded by couples mm-hmm. who have great sex. Fair. All the time. So do you not think that would then make him be like, yeah, I'm going to ride you. But remember the skull crushing? Yeah, (laughs) but he needs to get over that. It's true. Like, it's true. It's not a good excuse. No, it's not. Because you should just learn to not crush your lover's skulls. Yeah. Don't... Why are you touching my skull? No, I don't know what kind of sex you're having, (laughs) but when it's good, a skull gets crushed. (laughs) Don't be touching my head. That should have been Bella's answer. So basically, there's just a lot of lack of sex. I don't want to preempt the burning question. Uh Uh-huh. Do vampires masturbate? He's surrounded by couples constantly, Mm. immortal, Mm. beautiful couples. Like, is he just in his bedroom without a bed and all the CDs? Wanking off. Yeah. I don't think so, because I think he likes to suffer. Oh my God, he loves (laughs) to suffer. Oh my God, yes. So he'd be like, I'm not even going to masturbate. So my next topic. next topic. Is Carlisle and consent. Ooh. Yeah. I think uh, something that we both agree on is that religion is a heavy undertone uh, in her books. I kind of think there's a... Carlisle is God for these vampires. He is the creator. He makes Edward in his own vision, like God did with Adam. And also there's these ideas of, like, he's held up as being just super good. He's, like, the goodest good. Yeah. There's no doubt about his intentions. He is a good man. Yeah, which, actually, when you look at it... He's really not. I have so many doubts about his intentions. I have such doubts. Towards the end of this book, they start talking uh, in more detail about the pain of transformation, Mm. how awful it is. Alice, when she's describing it to Bella, says that, like, the vampire's venom incapacitates the human victim so that they can't move. She says that, like, the human transforming into the vampire would constantly be wishing for death. Mm. And that's the kind of tragedy with that, is that you're kind of in such pain you would give anything to die, but you're now never going to die. And I just kept thinking every time I was reading this, I was like, Carlisle has inflicted that on everyone that he now yeah. calls family. Yeah. And he's taken away 
it's a tricky one, but like their right to die. Yes, they're this now, is the whole problem. It's I he don't doesn't know. ask them. Yeah, well, yeah, and I know they're close to death. Oh, but I was doing a good thing. No, Edward had no choice. No. In this. He's just dying and Carlyle's like, well, I'm lonely, so you look like you'd be a good companion. Mm, a good surrogate son. Yeah. So there's the issue of Esme. Yes. She had chosen to commit suicide mm-hmm. after she lost her baby. Now, this is a really, it's a really tricky one. Mm. And without getting too heavy, because obviously suicide, not a good thing. No. But it's, she she lost her choice. Yeah. There's, There's something, no consent. Yeah. And it's painted as noble. Yeah. It's like, it's it's written to be that Carlisle is this noble guy. Saved her. Exactly. It's saving. Mm. But then Edward doesn't see it that way. Edward no. sees it as damnation. Yeah. He says that. That's one of my big questions. Would Edward have preferred to die? Because that if he thinks that he... drones on and on. But then really, if you gave him the choice, I don't think he would. Is Carlisle saving them, I suppose, is the question? Or is mm. he actually just taking away someone's ability to age and die? Yeah, and have a choice. Or to die when the time was right? Yeah. I He's don't. messing around with fate. Yeah. It's playing God. Yeah. And then Rosalie made purely because Edward was lonely. This is so interesting. And so sad. And you know Rosalie doesn't like the fact that she's a vampire. She doesn't like the fact that she didn't have a choice. I mean, I don't know if we know that. We do know you that. can she, see that. She says. When like Edward say? says, doesn't... Oh, she says something. She's just bitter. She's, she's very she's angry. She's angry with Bella. She's yeah. angry. But yes, we can read it as jealousy for sure. Yeah. I think we, we learn more about Rosalie we do. in we the do. next book? Or? Uh, no, in Eclipse. Okay. And then, because she's angry and she's alone, because she's been rejected by Edward... She finds Edmund, who has been mauled by a bear. Emmett. Oh. <laughs> Fucking hell, what is going on with me? Huh? You think that she named her characters Edward and Edmund? <laughs> yeah, Isn't I Edmund... didn't have a thought, and I was like, Edmund's one of my ex-boyfriends. Yes. <laughs> Isn't Edmund what Charlie calls Edward when he's being a dick? Oops. Emmett. Emmett. <laughs> It was mauled by a bear. Mauled by a bear. Rosalie drags him to Carlisle. I think she carries him. Drags him. Okay. Drags slash carries. Whatever. (laughs) The point is. The point is. He loved that bear. (laughs) He was taken away from his bear. And Carlisle had to be the one to change him. Oh, mighty creator. I mean, so he's literally made all of them. Yeah, apart from obviously Alice and Jasper. Oh god, yeah, of course. Yeah, then <laughs> yeah, the only actually, yeah, Carlos had nothing to do with them. Yeah, they're fine. They're all right. Yeah, but I mean, their stories are sad. They didn't have a choice either. I, obviously, as a vampire, it seems like no one has a choice. No, it doesn't seem like anyone really chooses to be a vampire, which no. is why it's particularly weird that Bella's like. Pick me, but yeah. it's because she's been hypnotised by the D. I really enjoy Carlyle's history. It's as interesting. A, as a interesting story. that he was a pastor's son and you know mm. having to prove himself. He's English. What do you he, make of that? Well, he obviously doesn't have an accent, does he? Does he not? I feel like he doesn't. I feel like Bella would say something. Yeah. Or like to, Charlie would have said. Yeah. Or oh, the English doctor. Yeah. I but feel. maybe he does. I don't know. Since seeing that, so I didn't. I'd forgotten that mm. that Carlyle was from London. Mm. I think of Carlisle as English now whether he has the accent or not I don't know yeah I don't know what do you also make of the fact that Carlisle was 23 I forgot about that yeah Carlisle this like world class surgeon yeah really young yeah looking yeah 
And again, like, no one questions this. No. They're like, oh, it's a bit odd, but... It's a bit odd, yeah. yeah small town. Young couple yeah. adopt all these teenagers. 23. And then having all these adopted kids, very odd. Mm. The social services would have... Well, I mean, 23, it's old enough to do anything. But then also, he wouldn't be 23. Like, he, they're no. probably getting away with saying they're 30. 30. Yeah. So what happens when you hunt vampires to prove to your father you're worthy of his love um you die <laughs> okay. or at least get bitten so that's the moral of the that's story that's the moral of Carlyle's story okay. but Carlyle doesn't succumb to his new temptations no. because he hides like you said in a pack of potatoes not in a, even in a pack a pile a pile of a pile mouldy of, uh, in London you'd think people would have gone looking for the preacher's missing yeah, son yeah but didn't they all die Oh no, they all ran away because he was the first, wasn't yeah. he? I don't know. That doesn't make any sense. So he stays in the pile of potatoes for three days. I know. Ridiculous. I live in London. Mm. We're in London right now. And, yeah. And I've never seen a pile of potatoes in the street. I mean, this was the 1640s. Yeah, but come on. Um, and then after that, so off he goes to swim the channel. Yeah. And Bella's like, he swam to France. Yeah. And Edward says... Everybody swims the channel. Or like, I can't People, remember what he says. Yeah. People swim the channel all the time, Bella. Yeah. <laughs> and we can confirm as Brits that... Yeah, we do that all the time. All the time, every summer. Yeah. I mean, this is where we've shot ourselves in the foot with Brexit, because now we can only swim <laughs> half the channel. <laughs> I'll have to turn around. <laughs> as soon as the borders go up, the... <laughs> There's going to be one of those like lines of you know those um chains of floats yeah that you get the swimming pool to divide yeah, yeah to divide lanes yeah. you'll just get whack into that and that's sorry uh, uh, gotta go back yeah Carlisle must have been swimming with a massive wooden cross from his father's <laughs> church because it's in his house <laughs> because it's in his house because when Bella and Edward are walking around the house and Bella's like. <gasps> And Edward's like, it's a bit of a joke. A massive wooden cross from Carlisle's father's church. It's literally the one that, like, was built with yeah. his hands or something. Yeah. I just love the image. <laughs> The imagery of Carlisle swimming with his cross. On his on, back. In the like, channel. Literally, like, Jesus having to carry <laughs> his cross to his crucifixion. Yeah. It's so... It's just too much. <laughs> it's to the point of camp. Like, yeah. it's quite... It's just over the top. Oh, Carlisle. I want to hear more about Edmund. <laughs> He sounds like an interesting guy. Yeah. <laughs> I uh, didn't make a lot of notes for this half. I got quite taken away by the drama. Oh. It was got quite exciting. There was a thriller happening. So what I kind of want to talk about now, Stephanie Meyer's take on popular mythology. Mm-hmm. Particularly, obviously, vampires, but also a couple of others that are mentioned here. I'm a nerd when it comes to... <laughs> these kind of magical beings. So I have a lot of feelings uh, and thoughts about this, much like I did about book design. My main thing about Stephanie Meyer's vampires, I don't love them. (laughs) (laughs) They're sparkly. They're all right. They are sparkly. That's a big no-no. In many ways, Stephanie Meyer's vampires are less mystical than other popular incarnations of the vampire. She kind of shows her vampires as kind of like a biological advancement of humans. And in a lot of ways... Oh, interesting. Yeah, I think they're a lot more like X-Men, more like mutants in the Marvel Universe, Mm -hmm. rather than the result of like demonic possession or a magical curse. That kind of leads me to think of these vampires and and these kind of supernatural elements as being more sci-fi than fantasy. 
this book is billed as a fantasy romance, a young mm. adult fantasy romance, but actually I'm going to argue it's more sci-fi. In chapter 14, Bella asks Edward where vampires come from, and he replies, couldn't we have evolved in the same way as other species, predator or prey? Or is it so hard to believe that the same force that created the delicate angelfish with the shark, the baby seal and the killer whale could create both our kinds together? There's a little bit in there where So like, basically he doesn't know. So he doesn't know <laughs> which way round. I skipped out a little bit there, but mm. what he says in the little gap I left was that he says that first part where he's like, if you believe we all evolved, and he says, though I find that hard to believe myself. No, oh, okay, here we go. Stephanie Meyer's views on evolution. Or at least Edwards, he's yeah. a creationist. So mm. we have left room for creationists and scientists and rational thinkers in this. But it seems that Meyer thinks of vampires as the natural predator of humans rather than supernatural or, importantly, unholy. Right. So Edward's argument there is whether you believe God made us or whether you believe we evolved, Mm. either way, doesn't it make sense that vampires happen the same way? That's very different to most folklore and popular mythology about vampires, Mm. which is leading me down the X-Men kind of route. Uh A few key things about vampires here. So the sunlight. Yeah. So they sparkle. They sparkle. We've touched on this already yeah. quite a bit. It's it's dumb. Mm. <laughs> it just doesn't... I don't like it. Uh, there's literally no reason for it either. So not all vampires in like pop culture are killed by sunlight, mm. like fair. So in some vampire stories, they're just sensitive to sunlight or weakened by it. In Dracula, he can go out in the day. Mm. Uh, Being Human, American Horror Story, in Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter. These are all examples of where the vampires are maybe sensitive to light, but they can go out Mm. and about. But in most incarnations of vampires, Buffy, Daybreakers, Let the Right One In, it's fatal. You don't go out in sunlight if Mm. you are a vampire. The fact that in direct sunlight, basically they're not affected at all. Mm. They glitter, but Mm. there's, there's no effect on them or their abilities. It's just a bit shit. It makes them seriously OP. For the gamers out there, which I'm not. <gasps> I am not. Overpowered. Yeah. It's just like, you can't you can't kill them. Like, they have no weaknesses, basically. Mm. They have these superpowers. So, Count Dracula uh, in Bram Stoker's Dracula, he has many powers. It's telepathy, hypnotism, he can summon and control animals, he shapeshifts, controls the weather, he can fly, he casts illusions, all kinds of things like this. And that was all so the so Satan could have his soul? Was that the deal? Yeah. Count Dracula seems to have sold his soul to the devil for power. Mm-hmm. And these are the powers that he was oh. granted. So it's, it's a very witchy yeah. kind of way of, of going about it. In Twilight, they're not like standard issue vampire abilities. But we do see similar ones. So it's through these like extra abilities, like Alice and Edward and Jasper. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So that it's possible that they have superpowers, which is cool. And hypnotism seems to be something, particularly with Edward in the first half of the book. There's a lot of examples of him seeming to have some kind of supernatural hypnotism, but then that just seems to go away. There's no explanation. It's never really talked about. It's more about his looks. His beauty. It's like they all hypnotise by their beauty. Yeah, but I wonder if there's there's more to that, because he seems to literally be able to enchant people. Mm. I don't know. I don't know. Maybe it is just that they're just so dazzled by his beauty, Mm. but... I'm not sure. Another thing that really just rubs me up the wrong way is the venom. (laughs) Vampires having venom like snakes. Yeah. Like it's literally, it's more natural than passing on a curse Mm. through a bite. That's 
how I would normally think of vampires, is this kind of dark power. It's way less satanic than, like, the exchanging of blood that happens in True Blood and Buffy. They drink your blood, you drink their blood, and then in True Blood you, like, literally get buried in the ground. Oh, wow. And it's, it's something very ritualistic about it, which I like more. Okay. This kind of darker uh take on it again venom it's going down this route of vampires are natural Mm. rather than supernatural yeah there are a few things that i'm glad twilight doesn't do aversion to garlic oh yeah Uh, that was always just a bit yeah aversion to religious symbols so Mm. that happens in buffy as well as dracula where they can't touch crosses and they can't Mm. be near holy water that doesn't seem to be a thing if anything these vampires are definitely christians so (laughs) That's fine, like, and I that doesn't bother me at all. Sleeping in coffins, again. Yeah. Glad they that, don't do yeah. that. And I'm glad that they're not known to human society. Mm. So, like, in true blood, vampires yeah. are out Living, in the open, yeah. they know. Um, I'm quite glad about that. I think that makes for more mystery. But some things I really wish Twilight did do mm. uh, is fangs. Really? Uh, yeah. I wish they had fangs, either retractable or permanent. Even if it was just, if it was mentioned that they had sharper teeth. Mm. That, to me, is just the image of a vampire. Yeah. Needing an invitation before coming in. I really like that. I really like that as yeah, a piece of vampire I mythology. Really like that as well. Buffy is an example of somewhere that uses that really well yeah. for plot. And they need more weaknesses. I just think a classic stake through the heart is really cool. Yeah. And none of this occurred to me on my first read, like when no, I was younger. No, because I remember when we first read it, it was all very novel and... Yeah. Oh my goodness, this is very exciting. It's a new take on vampires. Actually, it's really wanky. Yeah, I don't like it. Quick mention of werewolves. They don't really. They're not really talked about much. Nope. Jacob mentions them as mm. his ancestors yeah. and natural enemies of the cold ones. Mm. And Carlyle's father hunted werewolves in London in the 1640s. We know that. Cool. Other than that, don't really get mentioned. Yeah. Witches and witchcraft. So they're not really mentioned, but I have theories. <laughs> so Carlyle's father also hunted witches in London in the 1640s. The fact that witches are listed in that section alongside werewolves and vampires and they're not just dismissed as a myth, seems to suggest that they could exist. Yeah. It's not like Edward goes, oh, he hunted uh, werewolves and vampires and witches, though we all know they're not real. If we know that werewolves and vampires are real and they're listed there without being dismissed... But I don't think Bella does know. She might not know yet that werewolves exist, that's true. Yeah. But Edward does. Yeah. So, and it's him speaking. I don't know. But I, she doesn't. She doesn't react because well, she's numb no. as fuck. But <laughs> she's so numb. But I think it's perfectly possible that witches exist in this world. Mm. What do we think about the possibility that Alice is or was a witch? Interesting. James says a hundred years earlier she would have been burned at the stake for her visions, but it was the nineteen twenties. So that's kind of a, a hint there at the idea that maybe Alice had some greater power. And that she was mistaken for being mad when she wasn't. And if Alice is a witch, potentially, mm. what about Edward and Jasper? We could, on the one hand, go with the sci-fi and assume that these are just evolutionary advantages that show up in some humans, like the X-Men, and then strengthen in vampires. Which you can kind of back up by saying, you know, this isn't witchcraft, because in many representations of witchcraft in mythology and culture, it usually requires some kind of study or practice mm-hmm. or work as well as a connection to a higher power, so either the Wiccan god and goddess, or Egyptian deities, or Satan. The idea that anyone could become a witch, they either just need to sell their soul or work really hard at it. Whichever gets you there quicker. 
But there are other stories where some people are just born magic. So like in Harry Potter or Sabrina, Charmed, witches are born and not made. If they are witches, I think the most similar comparison I've found is American Horror Story Coven, Mm. uh, where each of them have a specific gift or ability, but through studying the craft, they can learn more. Right. So I think it's possible that Jasper, Alice and Edward are born witches, and had they chosen to study witchcraft? Hmm, interesting theory. What do you think? Or are these just random genetic flukes? It's quite nice. Like, that would have given, like, such a better plot. I know. (laughs) A better storyline of them, like, trying to learn their abilities. The only thing is, it's just so unfair on the other vampires. Yeah. Well, this is the other thing. Like, why are some special? It seems odd. Yeah. Because some literally... I mean, they're not that hard done by, they still get to be vampires, but... (laughs) But yeah, they don't have anything like that, so it does Mm. seem to be... I I think it makes sense there's something at play. I definitely don't think Stephanie Meyer intended them to be witches. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. I think that whether consciously or not, you're right, Maya's religious background definitely influenced the makeup of the Twilight yep. world. We've talked about this. And I think it could explain the lean towards sci-fi and a lean away from the occult. But you can still read mysticism and magic in the text. As we said last episode, we're not bound by her authorial intent. No. We can find what we want as readers. Just to finish off, I have a couple of questions about our vampire hero, Edward. How do we feel about his age? Just while we're comparing it to other vampire stories, does he still have the mind and emotional maturity of a 17-year-old, or is he an old adult man hitting on a teenager? Interesting. And this is a trope that we've seen before. It happens in Buffy and Angel, Sookie and Bill in True Blood. This supernaturally old but still sexy man woos this young virgin especially when they have this killer instinct that is somehow suppressed. And that's really noble when they do that. Thank you for not killing me. Exactly. So I just don't know. I lean more towards thinking of him as a perpetual teenager. I do as well. He seems to behave that way. Yeah. It's interesting. But when reading it, when we were in our teens, I had never thought of him being an old man. No. You know, because that's not sexy. No, it's not sexy. You just uh, <laughs> you brush that under the carpet. He's older than your grandfather. Oh. It's time for our burning question, Yay. and it's my <laughs> turn to ask you. I'm so my nervous. burning question is: If Charlie mm-hmm. became a vampire and Stephanie Meyer had granted him a gift, what would it be? <gasps> Oh, Charlie's supernatural ability when he's turned into a vampire (laughs) would be to become invisible, (gasps) but not, not completely invisible. I think that he would be able to blend with his surroundings. So camouflage, like a chameleon. (laughs) Or... Actually, maybe not physically. Maybe he wouldn't, like, literally no. turn into those yellow cupboards. But he would <laughs> be able to shift the perception. So you know how Jasper can control the emotions yeah. of those around him? Charlie would be able to just send out waves or whatever to those around him. And they would just stop 
talking to him, stop looking at him, and just naturally avert their eyes from him. Yeah, so his power is aversion. It's to, yeah, it's so that he can pass unseen and unnoticed. Wow, that's a good one! That's that's That would be really useful for all vampires. (laughs) I mean, yeah, actually it would really help the colours. Really help them out. Yeah. Yeah, I'm just picturing like Charlie like stood in the kitchen yeah. while Bella starts cooking, and he's like, "Oh, this is awkward because it's sexist." <laughs> I'll just oh! don't mind me. You can't see me anymore. Any awkward situation, yeah. any situation where he has to deal with anything, he's yeah. just gonna fade away. Perfect. Thank you. <laughs> it's the final verdict. Ah! So I've given mine, and I did mine before we finished the whole book. You did, yeah. At least you've got the benefit of, like, the whole... Oh, that's more pressure. We've now discussed everything. Yeah. You better get this right. <laughs> what is it? This is the final verdict of the novel Twilight. Yeah. My final... Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> So, Chloe, are you a fan of this book today? <laughs> it's my favourite work of fiction. <laughs> 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 I really, really love it. No, no, no. I um, I'm not a fan. I. It has a lot to answer for. I feel oh, this book. <laughs> it excuses a lot of sexist undercurrents throughout the book. And again, it just you know was another piece of patriarchal shit that you know we read and thought, yeah, that's that's right. Because yeah. I remember reading it for the first time and being like, oh, she's so grown up, she cooks for her dad. Honestly, I've never seen her someone <laughs> pat themselves on the back so hard for making <laughs> some enchiladas. But I remember reading that and being like, can I make enchiladas? <laughs> Probably, but I don't. Oh, yeah. Okay, so that's a no. That's a no. But would you have encouraged your teenage self to read it? Now? Would I now encourage... Would you now, if you could talk to teenage Chloe... Mm. Would you encu- Would you say, hey, read this book? No. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm like, hey, see this book? Never read it. How different would your life be? So different. That's why I said this book has a lot to answer for. Yeah, but what... what it if- just reiterated the fact that I was like, yes, I desperately need this passionate, toxic relationship in my life. Are you talking about me? <laughs> <laughs> no! Oh, okay. With men. I mean, with, I agree. With I relationships with men, yeah. It's okay. just like, oh, I need this. I need a man to hate me but love me. <laughs> Not want to be with me but needs to be with me every single second. There's honestly just no winning. No, there's no winning. Okay, so what has this book taught you? Oh. <laughs> now, reading it, it's taught me that's not real. Like, that relationship, that you know, it apparently is so sought after. It's is, not what you should desire or go out for. Is that what this book has taught you? Is that what life has taught you and this book taught you the opposite? Well, I'm saying reading it now. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Whereas reading it then, I was like, I want this relationship. We all did. Yeah, so it was so desirable. I was like, yeah, I want to passionately not have sex. <laughs> I can't wait to dry hump. I can't wait for him to push me and crush my skull. I was about to say soul. Oh, that 
that too. Yeah. I can't wait to kiss a man for three seconds and have him recoil so yeah. hard. <laughs> have oh. to apologise for everything I do and say. God, but it is the way we lived our lives for yeah. a chunk of our teens, early 20s. Yeah. Mid twenties, late twenties. I joke. We're very happy. <laughs> we can't end on that. <laughs> we are very happy. Yeah, I am very happy. It's just not because of this book. Yeah. <laughs> it's no thanks to this book. <laughs> Thank you for joining us for the second part of our discussion of the novel Twilight. We'll be back in a couple of weeks to dissect its sequel, New Moon. But in the meantime, you can join the chat by finding us on Twitter at ForksCast. And remember to rate, review and subscribe to What the Forks wherever you get your podcasts. Until next time, look after yourselves. And remember, the only boy who could ever bite me was the son of a preacher man. 